Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results, made just for us. From the ultimate girl bomb grip to the professional grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girl Bomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb, available at Walgreens. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com on the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello and welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name is Caitlin Durante. My name's Jamie Loftus. And we are here to talk about the representation of women in movies. That's what our podcast is about. This it is the Bechdel is. cast. Uh, hey, Caitlin. What, Jamie? Uh, in case you haven't gleaned it in the past three years, oh, could I, I just haven't. give you a, a reference point for what Please, the Bechdel test is? I need is. it. I just, every once in a while, just a jolt of adrenaline to the system. <laughs> the Bechdel test is a never test. heard of it i well then start leaving your one star <laughs> reviews now just kidding please don't uh, only mras do that and they're very good at it uh the bechdel test is a media metric invented by cartoonist allison bechdel sometimes also called the bechdel wallace test in which there has to be a scene in a piece of media where two female identifying characters with names talk to each other for about something other than a man for more than two lines of dialogue Wow. I can't believe I've never heard of this test before. I was holding in a burp literally that whole sentence, <laughs> and I feel like if you rewind 15 seconds, you'll hear it. You've been burping a lot recently. I've gone full durst. I really have. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I'm just burping and telling lies. I can't stop. Well, I think that burp conversation passed the Bechdel test, so there. we're off to a good start. Thank you. I mean, I did mention Robert Durst. Oh, Fuck. I mean, I, th- I, I think of Robert Durst as kind of a genderless, he's more of an idea than a man, sure. I think. Um, so it does pass. <laughs> it does. If we are saying that Robert Durst is an ideology. Well, he's sort then, of yeah. like a, a cloud of, of gas, I see him, much like a burp. There you go. There yeah. you go. And that's why he's so susceptible to them. I'm glad we unpacked that. <laughs> Me too. Um, so yeah, this is the the Bechtel cast. Uh, <laughs> we, are, we are covering a much requested oh, movie yes. today. We've been getting this request since we started the damn cast. Mm-hmm. Took us about three years, but we, we got there. We got there. And today we're covering the first Wives Club. And here to join us in our conversation, 
a hilarious comedian whose album called Major comes out on August 2nd. And you also may remember her from our Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid episode and our episode on The Notebook. Yes. It's Caitlin Gill. That's me. Welcome back. It's the other Caitlin. It's the other Caitlin. It's nice to be here. If you heard a strange sound in your audio, unless that's neatly clipped, it was my dog licking my nose a minute ago. Major Margaret Hot Lips Hulahan, the titular dog from my album. Yes. (laughs) And what a cutie. She is a cutie. She really is. She's really thriving today. I saw her do some tricks in the elevator. (gasps) Not to brag, but she's Do make her do tricks a lot. She's easy to distract with a treat. Uh Uh, And that, that... really begs compliance it works it just works tiny piece of meat and she'll do whatever i need which is good because i forgot her leash what a terrible dog owner i mean that's like a key thing you need to take your dog out of the house is a way to restrain confidence about it though that i'm like i guess this is just the dynamic i do leave her off the leash as much as i can because she's honestly better well she's a strong independent woman she is a strong independent woman she knows what she wants and what she wants is to know where i am and if she's attached to a leash she knows Mm -hmm. so the 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 off leashness it makes her pull to attention is this podcast about my dog because unless you stop me now (laughs) it is about to be i apologize (laughs) my dog my dog is a woman hater (laughs) yes the one time he was allowed in this podcast studio he chewed through one of the audio cables and deplatformed the left once again oh my god that is hilarious i have to i really need to meet this guy i only know him through instagram and i i am he's dangerous he's he's a red pill i'll get bit i'm in Let's go. Didn't he also shit and piss on the floor the last time he was here? He did shit and piss and uh, chew through an audio cable. And, uh, and But he did the day, he was here the day Alfred Molina was here, mm-hmm. and he behaved until literally the second Alfred Molina left, and then he shit and pissed again. Honestly, wasn't everybody shitting and pissing, though, as soon oh, as yeah. Alfred Molina left? It's just everybody's body evacuated. He was just doing what we were all thinking. <laughs> That's true. So the first wives oh, club. Dogs. <laughs> What is your history with the, your relationship with the movie? I saw it in the theaters with my mom, who is herself a first wife. Oh, oh very so good. I, it goes way back. Okay, it goes way back. Uh-huh. It's fun to revisit with yeah. fresh eyes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Certainly, Jamie. What about you? Uh, I'd never seen this movie. I feel like this movie kind of made like has become more popular again mm-hmm. in the past even year or so. I remember that Ariana Grande did a bunch of. Uh, First Wives Club, like, homage with her last album. There's, mm. like, moments in her video where she and uh, her two, I think, producers, or they're singing on the track, and they're all wearing the white jackets and the whole bit. And I don't know. I was excited to see it. And, man, I really enjoyed it. What a romp. What a romp. I'm, <laughs> I'm a fan. It really was. And it starts off in such a dark place that you're like, where? What? <laughs> and then it just becomes a romp so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite things in movies, just period, is what actor did the most with their one day on set. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> there is no question that Stocker Channing was on that set a day. Yes. yes. Singular day. And sure. with that day, <laughs> oh, what she, she turned in. To rise she... to the occasion in the moment. You don't mm-hmm. have the full month to shoot. You ain't hanging around with the ladies the whole time. You're no. in, you're out. I bet it was months apart from when the other oh, three ladies were doing the filming. Sure. Had nothing to do. Totally different team. Mm-hmm. Like director on the phone from actually <laughs> right. New York because like this was in LA. <laughs> it was just an incredible. I love spotting those performances. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, turn to scream if you really need the entry level understanding of 
the value of having a star on set one day. The, oh, you mean one like day. day performer. The, the Drew Barrymore, Barrymore twist with having her. And oh, it's yeah. Liev Schreiber in Scream 3. Oh, I forget who yeah. does it in Scream 2, but God, it's so good. It's great. When you have someone brilliant on set for one day, what they turn out is Stalker's one of the best scenes of the movie. It really is. The I, gravitas, the mm. sadness. Folks, she dies by suicide. Yes, she is. Uh, and that is the, a wild, inciting incident, mm-hmm. and perhaps confusing to say what ensues is a romp, but it's simply the truth. It's, it's true. Yeah. All right. What's your history, Kayla? I hadn't seen this movie for the first time until about a year ago, because it's one of those movies that I knew we had gotten a lot of requests for, and I figured we would do it someday. So I was like, maybe I'll just check it out early, you know. It's on familiar Hulu, out loud. Yeah, so I watched it uh, that one time about a year ago and was like this certainly is a romp and uh I don't I don't know why I hadn't seen it before. I th- I guess I was 10 when it came out, so you know, I wasn't necessarily the target demographic, but are you the child of a first wife? No, my okay. mom is, uh, yeah, no. There's no easy, I realized as I asked that question, because I'll tell you whatever you want to know about my family, and it's horrible. But I do realize that other people don't as often. So as that question tumbled out of my mouth, so tell me about your parental marital status. Well, that's not necessary. Uh, they are married. Should they be? Oh. Hey, open hey, questions. Oh, baby What's up, Lori? What's up, Lori? She listens to the podcast. Um, anyway. My mom, as I mean, I guess she she is a first, wife but also is was I mean she's a first wife but there hasn't been a second one yet but she's no longer a, a wife that's a first wife that's a she's a first wife yeah mm. she's a first wife mm-hmm. and uh she's she's I would say she's medium bitter about it yeah a pretty okay. healthy it, uh-huh. it wasn't it was she's not I don't think she's in the club quite we're in sour orange territory not to full lemon no okay. yeah <laughs> yeah they they talk right oh, yeah yes. they're friends mm-hmm. yeah uh so should I just dive into the recap and then we'll go from there let's do let's it let's cap it All right, so we open in 1969. There are four best friends who are graduating from college. They are. I wanted to give you a soundtrack here, like a little, like, (laughs) but I can't get my mouth guitar to work with a 60s sound. I can't. Oh, sure. I can't. I don't have it. My all along the watchtower isn't. Isn't there, playing right now. <laughs> I was about to come in with some Austin Powers music, but that's also it's really oh, hard right. to do with your mouth, as it turns <laughs> out. <laughs> no, keep going. Why is this hard? Oh, right. right. Uh, so the friends are Cynthia, Annie, Elise, and Brenda. And then we cut to the nineties. <laughs> and that's the end of the beginning. Just yeah. like in Austin Powers, there. we cut to the 90s. Yes. Oh, right. <gasps> this, is, this movie is basically Austin Powers. <laughs> basically, yes. So we're now in the 90s, and Cynthia is distraught, and it's implied that she dies by suicide. Right. Uh, then we cut to Annie. That's Diane Keaton's character. She has been reconnecting with her husband, Aaron, mm-hmm. who she's separated from, uh, which makes her daughter, Chris, disappointed because she hates her dad, can relate personally, <laughs> see comments that they made five minutes ago. And um, Diane Keaton is really Diane Keatoning out to the point where her name full, is Annie again. Full Diane Keaton. Oh, like, Annie Hall. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm like, lay it on thick, why don't you? Yeah, she <laughs> I do is... think she has to be named either Annie or Diane or she won't turn around. <laughs> she, like, won't respond. I like her name was supposed to be Susan, but it just became <laughs> didn't logistically impossible. We couldn't impossible. get her yeah. <laughs> Can't get her engaged. 
<laughs> she's brilliant. She's mm-hmm. so good in this movie. She's brilliant. I do like to think of her as an inattentive cat-like creature. Yes. Where you're just like, damn. She's like, <gasps> oh. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure she's from the same plane. She's one of those artists yeah. where I'm like, you are a vessel for an energy from far beyond. But it is the most nervous energy I've ever seen. You have to just try to communicate it. with uh, with humans <laughs> on the planet Earth. It's right. incredible. This is a great part for her, though. She's, she screams oh, yeah. she like seven times. Yeah. And each one is perfect. And I feel like it starts early. I yeah, think some screaming happens really early it's, on. It's too early. Right. <laughs> no such thing. Then we see Elise, Goldie Hawn's character. Uh, she is an actress who is obsessed with trying to look young so that she can keep getting cast in Hollywood movies. Uh, and then we see Brenda, Bette Midler's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has a son who's about to have a bar mitzvah. That's kinda... She's neatly summarized as a Brenda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's a Brenda. <laughs> yeah, she is a Brenda. Yep. And then they all find out about their friend Cynthia's suicide and the presumed motivation behind it, which was that Cynthia's ex-husband, this like successful Wall Street dude, mm-hmm. just remarried a younger woman. Right. So Annie, Elise, and Brenda all reconnect at Cynthia's funeral. So then they all get lunch together, and Elise and Brenda talk about how both of their husbands left them for younger women. And then Annie is all like, well, I'm still married, but we are separated. And then they keep hanging out. They're getting more and more drunk, and they're lamenting about how... I mean, we're in full-on <laughs> bougie white lady brunch mode. Oh, yeah, yes. we are on yes. top-shelf daytime drunk. This is... It <laughs> Very is, specific. There's yes. no way it's past 2 p.m at the height of this scene. Yeah, it does look like they're closing the restaurant, but it looks like they're closing the restaurant for lunch to dinner service. It is very bright out for yeah. that many glasses on the table. Right. And they're just, you know, lamenting about how everyone sees them as being too old and stuff like that. Yes. So Aren't they 46? They're 46. Okay, yes. they're 46. And Diane Keaton's mom keeps insulting her for this oh, reason. Yeah. Oh, no spring chicken, Diane. (laughs) Jeez. That actress, I forget her name, but she's so good. She's a great... Eileen Heckert. Diane Keaton's mom is terrific from beginning to end, and she's one of those perfect old ladies whose lips are just lipstick. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not sure there's anything underneath. It's a perfect flesh tone, but she's painted on this majestic mouth. That's gorgeous. She's incredible. Every scene, she steals it. So Annie, she's been trying to make some personal progress and therapy elise is in the middle of divorce proceedings from victor garber and then she later finds out that um she's being considered for a mother role in a movie this is around the point where i realized that goldie hans character is basically just jenna maroney uh when she freaks out about being about auditioning to be a mother you're like this character is Jenna Maroney, but toned down a little. <laughs> right, right. She used to be married to Victor Garber, a.k.a. our king, or the hero our of king. Titanic, really. Which, and this really made it's us true. realize, as we just discussed, that Victor Garber, more often than not, plays a villain, which is crazy because his best and most prominent role is being a little sweetie by Mr. Who, Andrews. Who, who, who wanted there to be enough lifeboats, but was overruled. <laughs> And yeah. then he, and because that happens, he sacrifices his hot dog. Doesn't that make him a villain? Sea. That he wasn't strong enough to get more lifeboats on the biggest boat in he, the world? Like, there right. he wasn't was a complicit room. bastard, and I'm he glad was, he's dead. <laughs> he was weak kneed. 
Okay, anyway, so, um, you know, we're seeing all these, the women in the, their normal worlds, and we see Brenda, and she uh, confronts her ex-husband in a store, being like, I need money, you suck, Morty. and M- Morty. Morty. And then his new wife, Shelly. <laughs> his new wife, Shelly, played by Sarah Jessica Parker, shows up, and then they bo- they body shame each other for a while. Oh my gosh. I mean, this movie has, thinks all women uh, under 35 are completely brain dead. I think it's a fun fantasy, though. Know? Like I'm, I don't even, I don't hate it, but uh, it really is a rule with no exception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. And unless you're a lesbian, mm. right. lesbian That's was true. sensible. A college-educated lesbian uh, is the exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always, <laughs> always in every case. Yes. <laughs> and then Annie's husband asks her to dinner, and she assumes that it's because he's decided to recommit to their marriage. But it's and over actually his because... commitment issues, and over that thing about me poisoning his food. Right. That's <laughs> okay. She slipped that in there, and we're was... like, um. That was a weird throwaway joke. <laughs> it's a perfect You're like, it's got to come back, right? And it just doesn't. Well, she spends the whole time just being like, his commitment issues, you know, his fear of, of connection. And, you know, yeah, maybe he got over those. But, honey... The fear that you were poisoning his food? There's no bouncing back. <laughs> He's not coming maybe. back. He's There's not. No. That's on the other side well, already. Maybe. This is a prequel to the Phantom Thread. They had, I was just going <laughs> to say Phantom Thread. Maybe that's... Yeah. He was into he being poisoned. He does his most brilliant advertising yeah. after it, he... It was, <laughs> it was actually Dangerous sexy. mushrooms. It was yes. sexy. <laughs> she assumes they're going to get back together, but instead he announces that he wants a divorce. And then Annie's therapist, after Dr. After he has sex with her, which is the he, meanest thing anyone yeah. can do. And that's wears to the me. robe. Yeah. From the hotel room. I'm sorry, that's yeah. happened to you and talking over that it's is way happened. ruder. No. But I did want to point out that there's one room per robe per hotel room and he's, he's wearing it. it. Oh, yeah. Oh, rude. 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 Oh, the meanest he? thing someone can do immediately before saying, I've been cheating on you for three months, is have sex with you and then just be like just one one last taste and then like <laughs> anyways I'm i will fraud. compliment like, him for eating you out as implied but i'm not happy about the circumstance it was other my than that birthday caitlin yeah he told you at least that but i, I still think yeah no bad dog so she finds out that he's been cheating on her with her therapist dr leslie rosen played by marcia gay harden um, because she walks in and... This sounds like a wondery podcast. <laughs> uh, the gals get together again and they're, you know, all furious that their ex-husbands have taken them for granted and never appreciated all they did for them. So the women form the First Wives Club. That's the name of the movie. Okay. Hey. Here's where it gets wild. Did I think going into this movie they would get office space did I think that they would make an LLC for the First Wives Club? <laughs> and a no. super no. clip arty logo? Oh, I loved the the full door, like Nickelodeon-style yeah. logo they I need have. that T-shirt so bad. There, <laughs> at the end, there was that was when I was like, wow, that's a huge office they've got. And they hired oh, a graphic designer. Oh, in the building designer. that Goldie Hawn just owns? Oh, yes. <laughs> the, the privilege, the use of privilege in this movie is wild. Uh, but then at the end, the husbands are making out checks to the First Wives Club, which means they've incorporated right, in yep. some way. Yes. It's on their taxes. <laughs> wild. <laughs> yes, very wild. So they form this club and they come up with a plan to sabotage their ex-husbands' lives and relationships. So that's their new full-time job. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. 
there's also just like I feel like it's rare to find a movie quite this like empoweringly petty it's just like a full-on fantasy like yeah we all wish we had limitless money for our various revenge projects right and the money comes from the revenge exactly what a beautiful built-in engine real fin dom (laughs) energy going on because i expect we're getting into it right but oh yeah yeah, we're getting to where we're getting to goldie's plan i think goldie's plan is my favorite plan i (laughs) love i just love what i love it i love it (laughs) So first they um, ask Annie's daughter, Chris, the sensible lesbian who's under 35, uh, mm-hmm. to get information. Presumably. Hard to tell with a lesbian. <laughs> um, to get information on Annie's ex-husband, Aaron. Mm-hmm. And then Elise starts repossessing and selling all the stuff that she and her ex-husband, Bill, Victor Garber, acquired together as a married couple, much to his dismay. And then Brenda gets a tip that her ex-husband Morty started his business by selling stolen goods. So they've all got these separate plans to seek revenge or as they keep calling it justice on their Mm ex-husbands and they need the stolen, they need the the books to prove that, uh, you know, Morty is a crook. So uh, (laughs) they need a way to get into his new condo or house or whatever so they orchestrate this like interior decorating con to get this high society lady ganilla goldberg played by maggie smith perfect yes yes to the ultimate a fourth generation scammer (laughs) she's great she's trying to convince sarah jessica parker's character to hire this guy duarto feliz who is an interior decorator that Brenda works for. They like do this whole heist thing and they Mm. sneak in to get the documents. Hijinks ensue. There's like a scaffolding. Oh my God. Window cleaning. At two of my favorite bits of physical comedy, just period ever. First, uh, and definitely the more minor of the two is, uh, so the office that they're trying to get the papers from Mm -hmm. is upstairs. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which means that they've got to ascend a staircase (laughs) and safety first. They all reach for the The banister, but because it's an art deco home, the banister is not sturdily (laughs) affixed to the staircase itself. It's hanging from wire from the ceiling. So it just goes everywhere, oh, yes. and you watch, so like, collectively 120 years almost just tumble off the stairs. It is the best. Yeah. It's all three of them are so, like, perfectly cast, and they're both, they're all, like, really good with physical comedy. They're all screamers. I yes. just love it. We are also, in this bit of physical comedy that comes right after the staircase, mm-hmm. is preceded by the best Diane Keaton scream in the movie, where she peeks <laughs> over the edge of the building and then responds with her entire body. Like, right. her whole body makes noise. Her, like, glasses flip <laughs> off and then, like, come back down. And then Goldie Hawn's like, I can do this. I do all my own stunts. <laughs> She's already over She's yeah. already in. No problem. Uh, oh, loved so it. good. And they they have to get down in the window washer thing. And every second of that, I so uh, funny. Just cackles. It's so it's so good. Yeah, it's it, everything you need to happens. They fall right into the window of the people that they're trying to run from. Morty and Shelley and Bronson Pinchot, however you say his name, is just leading them around the apartment, whipping them around so they don't see them. Mm-hmm. And then in a floor below, of course, a couple is trying to make sweet love, only to be interrupted. As always. But they're three both ladies. Huge fans. Mike, the, the, the callback Elise. to Elise, you look great, is that... 
I mean, uh, they established it because Elise has fans, and Elise gets yeah. told she looks great. I mean, when Chris gets uh, pulled in, it's in a lesbian bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd I'd love to put a put a button in that. Oh, we'll talk oh, about that. Absolutely. Or to say, but yeah, man, them stopping in front of the sex having couple was just <laughs> terrific. You look great. What I can't hear. I can't hear. You look great. And then she goes, Oh, thank you. The two of them to get the husband and the wife. You look great. <laughs> so good. Oh my god, oh, it's so fun. Uh, but they have the documents they need now. So they have. Yeah, they had the document. Seeing Diane Keaton on that old ass computer trying to hack. Being like, <laughs> so where are the text information? I was like, Diane Keaton, you don't know how to use a computer. It also didn't look like yourself. a burn-in. It looked like something they built in paint and then just told her to click around in the paint menu, but <laughs> like real careful. It was right. great. Meanwhile. Chris, Annie's daughter, is like, hey, mom, you should get back into the advertising business. So to raise money to start a business, Elise sells Annie all the assets that she repossessed from Victor Garber and her marriage. And then Annie sells them at an auction, which Sarah Jessica Parker's character is at buying everything. Right. Well, buying the wrong thing because (laughs) Professor McGonagall is like buy all the wrong things and spend all your like she's she's being right a she's scammer got a behind the stranger scenes. and professor mcgonagall telling her what to do on either side <laughs> i just wrote i just wrote down Lacey's name during that because i was like she's a true scam goddess oh yeah she really is yes, yes. <laughs> it's really connecting the dots galaxy brain stuff <laughs> so the wheels are in motion but annie is trying to like you know dig into elise's ex-husband's victor garber's kind of deal and pass but can't find anything bad on him Mm -hmm. which upsets elise and she's drunk and she's saying some nasty things and brenda fights back and things start to fall apart in the first wives club but then they realize hey we shouldn't be fighting each other we should be fighting the patriarchy so they refocus their anger back toward their ex-husbands and then brenda extorts morty basically puts herself in control of his like electronics business saying like i'm gonna take everything or i will rat you out for your criminal activity and then annie takes the money that she earned from the auction and buys her ex-husband's advertising agency out from under him um and then elise goes to victor garber her ex-husband and says hey that new girlfriend of yours that actress lady oh this is a uh, bad she is 16 and he's like ah yeah so (laughs) there had to have been a better beat there there but the my favorite part is my favorite um like payoff of Mm -hmm. the three is bet midler full-on kidnapping her husband and he she says this is a kidnapping he comes to he's in a meat locker and he's confronted with his tax crimes and you're like this is this is what i wanted and this is the revenge i was seeking Uh, i do also love whenever goldie Hawn is like yeah like your lawyer suggested we liquefied the assets Mm -hmm. here's your half and it's 50 cents she sold all that stuff to Diane Keaton's character for a dollar. Oh, oh it's so it. good. Oh, yeah. And then, oh, it's just so good. It's okay. Perfect. So <laughs> they all have their ex husbands meet them at their official office of the First Wives Club. And they're like, okay, we have you here and now you have to pay. And they make their ex husbands fund 
a crisis center for women that they name after their friend Cynthia. Mm -hmm. And then they throw a big party and the voiceover narration that Diane Keaton is giving, she's talking about how Brenda and Morty are probably going to get back together, how Elise is in a new hit stage play. She's dating an actor in the play and that Aaron, her ex-husband, was like, I'm ready to get back together. And then she tells him to drop dead. And then they... (laughs) After the party, they're all wearing white business suits, and then they start to sing and dance, and then the dancing continues onto oh, the street. It's it it is inspired. <laughs> I honestly do cherish that scene. I I never had context for like what that comes at the end of, and mm. you're just like, oh, it just fits perfect. <laughs> uh, we've got to take a quick break, and then we'll come right back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric. Cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world. 
from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Let's discuss. Oh my gosh, there's so much. I mean, I think a good jumping off point is just to say right off the bat Mm -hmm. uh, that for all this movie's strengths, it is about upper class. Oh my gosh, this is like white feminism, the movie. (laughs) It's insane. To the point where I was curious about like the historical context of this movie, and I didn't do a deep dive on it, but this movie comes out in 1996, which is a big moment for Hillary Clinton. Mm. And I feel like you can kind of feel it in this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is pre Monica Lewinsky, that all hits the fan in 98 but i i feel like the uh there there are some uh hillary clinton vibes i felt throughout this movie uh and not even in like a negative way but like you do feel the that like white feminist vibe through Mm -hmm. this movie and also almost as like a predictor of of where things go from there a deep hatred of younger women (laughs) oh yes permeates the movie but just i mean right off the bat we recognize this is a movie that comes from the most privileged place a woman can come from indeed yes if i had just seen this now i couldn't connect because i can't I don't care about rich people or any of their problems. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm so sorry if you're rich and you're listening. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of media with great performances and brilliant characters, and the stakes to me are just also false because yeah. they're rich. And I think because right. I saw this early on, it helped. So I had a connection to it. I think actually in a few ways this movie gave me an unrealistic picture of the world because I just Mm -hmm. sort of accepted that like, yeah, you know, you'll have one rich friend. One of your friends will marry a banker. It's not weird to know someone famous and like, you know, you'll be fine. Right. Yeah. Brenda's character is the one that, you know, my family is the most like an apartment. God, when Goldie Hawn steps into Brenda's apartment for the first time, (laughs) so fucking good. I've never been to your apartment. It's so real. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love the way, the condescending way that rich people describe normal people. But the way they, Uh, like, that's exactly it. That Brenda's there to wear bad skirts. And, like, you know, the end is that her ex is still rich. So she'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, (sighs) Yeah. And I think, you know, this was a simpler, more complicated time where (laughs) this was, like, a bold picture of four women. And I'm really glad that it looks dated in the ways that it does right because that just means that there's been progress right so there there is like i'm i'm glad this movie exists i think it's definitely a, s- a step Stepping in the right stone. direction that you know misfires in some ways sure. uh and plenty of which we'll talk well, about right. uh but like I, it is this was like a huge surprise of a hit of mm-hmm. a movie which i think also just speaks to like how few movies are made for women specifically like older women mm-hmm. there's a huge market for this shit we've this had a $30 million budget and made back $181 million. It was yeah. a huge, huge, huge hit. And it's wild that there's not First Wives Club 2, Second yeah. Wives Club, uh, <laughs> for something to gross yeah. that much and not get pulled back. Although I think I just spoke a remake into existence. My well, apologies, universe. Let's all write it. Let's get right on that. <laughs> I, uh, I, I would push gently back against the idea that this movie deeply hates younger women because mm-hmm. all of these stars were younger stars. 
Like these aren't women who became famous at 46. That's this is fair. them reflecting back. You know, some of them were famous as teens. Some mm-hmm. of them would have been that 16-year-old who might have fucked a director. Like, not impl- you know what I you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think it's looking backwards. I think it's a commentary on how we, being the Hollywood or the media or people, feel mm-hmm. about older women. That totally, it's a reflection back. Because there's mm-hmm. no way to me that Goldie Hawn, reflecting on being an aging actress. I don't think she hates her younger... I don't think Bette hates her younger self. I do think there is a weird empty target for just those, like, the idea of young women who sleep with older married guys Mm -hmm. is just sort of this amorphous blob in the movie, and they only take shape twice... And they are both total idiot ditzes. <laughs> right. That's what that's what I'm more criticizing. Yes. I don't think it has anything to do with the actresses or anything like that. But the way that the younger characters are written are to be vapid, absolutely yes. stupid, and will fall for anything. I don't know. Is Which Shelley can... stupid? Yeah. Or is she I'm... the smartest one in the movie? <laughs> she's definitely not the smartest one in the movie. She's. I think Sarah she's Jessica probably Parker. smarter than the, most of the guys in the movie. She's smarter than Victor Garber. Is she smarter than most of the ladies? I think she's got a number. I think she's reading the world. And I mean, she's taking a cynical perspective from it. Her character's obviously an airhead. She says, duh, and snaps her gum. But I think an act's an act. And she, like the scene where she and Morty have a fight. Mm Mm-hmm. And she just flips her hair, turns around, and gets him to unzip her dress. Right. Is like, wow, your tool belt is full mm-hmm. and you know how to use, <laughs> how to use every it. tool <laughs> in it uh-huh. <clears throat> i mean compliments sure i mean yeah shelly is a total idiot uh wait no shelly's the sarah jessica parker who's yes. the elizabeth, elizabeth what's her face who yes. is canonically 16 so i guess we can't even really like i mean is oh, she though or that was that a, a lie I, I think that was I real be, that she was has real. like her birth certificate but they were trying yeah. to make something up on him right Oh, I don't know. I feel like they... Upon rewatch, I grew confused I'm about not sure. that. sure. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I, to me, it's more of a... The main women we're focusing on just resent that their former husbands have all left them for younger women. Yes. Um, because, you know, these are shitty men who value youth over anything else in a woman. So I just think I understand. That it's the the writing misfires sure. and it's mm-hmm. like kind of needlessly piling on other women to make the char- the younger characters over the top materialistic and stupid. Mm-hmm. I mean in the 90s sluts were still sluts. Right. I mean which this movie makes very There's clear. There's a lot of things. There would not that... have been an opportunity in that time to like make those fully fledged characters because mm-hmm. they're man stealers. And that's well yeah, and that's like such a stock <clears throat> character where it's like I was thinking back to like the new and also the new wife is a stock character, like the younger woman that, like I mean, I'm thinking of oh, Meredith. Trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Meredith from the Parent Trap is like peak villainous new wife that is like trying to, and it's it's the like I understand where that. Are alive with the sound <laughs> of step moms. <laughs> They demand that you call them by their whole first name. Wow, Catherine's never Kate. Uh. Anna's never Annie, even though that nickname is longer. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things about this movie that is like, because this is a feminist text, but it is like a very it's a very 90s 90s feminism a very white feminism text because 
you know, there's still a whole lot of body shaming across the whole spectrum of like body shape and size. Mental health and suicide are not really addressed responsibly, I would say. Yeah. There's there's quite a bit of slut shaming. The only women in this movie who are people of color, well, there's hardly any to begin with. And yeah. if there are, they are in either service, service roles, roles or extras in the background who don't get any lines or significance i mean pretty much the gamut of uh 90s go-to thoughtless mistakes are definitely made but i one one moment if we can i mean you, you just named basically all of our talking points right so <laughs> i'm gonna choose one yes uh the the ways that uh bodies are treated in this movie i think that there's some good moments and there's some some, some shitty moments a good moment i thought was towards the end when they have this blowout like 10 minute long argument it's like Bette Midler and Goldie Hawn are especially great in this scene. Mm-hmm. And Goldie Hawn keeps on poking at Bette Midler about like not looking the way that she wants her to look and mm-hmm. having like a body that isn't a size two like Hollywood body. And Bette Midler snaps at her and mm-hmm. gets really angry and throws a golden globe, which, and you don't <laughs> usually get to see like the person who is being talked down to yeah. by the quote unquote hottie get a chance to respond and respond with anger. And like you get that like cool catharsis. And mm-hmm. like that, I thought, like, I didn't expect that to happen because they are like subtly and unsubtly piling on to Bette Midler's appearance and the way she's styled and all this. Mm-hmm. throughout the movie and then but then she gets to throw a fucking golden globe about it and is like leave me the fuck alone <laughs> and like i that i i liked that that yeah. was cool that's either right before or right after elise says to brenda what did you ever win a pie eating contest so it's <laughs> right. like yeah no wonder yeah, brenda that's is furious <laughs> That's when you throw a golden globe. <laughs> yeah. And then and then Goldie Hawn goes, That's a golden globe. <laughs> and it hits a picture so of Goldie good. Hawn. It does. Yeah. And when Goldie Hawn goes to clean it up, the picture is like a portrait of her laying and smoking. And it's just Goldie Hawn standing there in like the same standing pose with a cigarette. It's so good. Yeah. Literally. Such Jenna a perfect Marelli. shot. One perfect it's... shot, Twitter. Get right on that. Because <laughs> it is too good. It's it's I, I like there were a lot of moments in that argument that I thought were like really cool and cathartic and not what you normally get to see Mm -hmm. and also um in in spite of the fact that this movie is coming from a big place of privilege all these actresses are 50 and over when this movie comes out Mm. which is extremely irregular especially for a movie to be made like this and also to be this successful and granted i mean they go to like some big names to make that happen Mm -hmm. but they're all over 50 and they're presented for for the most part as very sexually viable characters with agency access to grind etc and Mm -hmm. and that is cool you don't get that a lot yeah it is cool i do think also that the conversation about bodies in this movie can't be pulled out of the context of the 90s in which it lives oh the Mm -hmm. 90s like (laughs) The, the world's thinnest decade. time. Like, yeah. just the worst of the, like, bones being super fashionable mm, time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, I mean, Sarah just Jessica Parker, it looks like, it's just painful. It, it's funny, yeah. when Jason Moana had his, like, dad bod picture get made fun of recently, and mm. uh, it was a, I believe it was a female director, came to his defense and was just like, 
actually having abs for a movie is like terribly unhealthy. Mm. Like what it actually takes is this like mm. deprivation diet and it's not it's not good. <laughs> yeah. And right. actors will ask if they have to do abs and like they should get paid more because it's right. horrible. Right. And I feel like there's a conversation that didn't happen about what women had to do to be Sarah Jessica Parker in that movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's why I like I think Sarah Jessica Parker's too smart to play a character that stupid without knowing the kind of stupid she was was a little bit smart. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's a she's just not allowed to be anything but a puff of air. And uh, mm-hmm. I wonder what her first wife club movie would be if you got to see her later. Yeah, you know, because you're trapped in whatever youth says you have to be. In some ways, like flashing back to the '60s and '69, graduating from college, you were away, and mm-hmm. you know. Sarah Jessica Parker's character and her herself were just trying to be away in the fucking 90s. Mm -hmm. She's so small in this movie. And it gets commented on because Bette Midler's character says something like, oh, look at you. The bulimia has certainly paid off. So she's body shaming her for her, you know, tininess. tininess. And then Sarah Jessica Parker comes right back with some like fat shaming comments directed at, at Bette Midler's character. So yes. it's, it's it's almost going... like women can't please anybody, including each other. Right. Yeah. right. I, I think I genuinely think if this movie got rebooted, which I hope it doesn't, please, please do. just produce please an, an, uh, an original story. But if this movie was updated for 2019, I would be very surprised if the first wives and second wives didn't end up speaking to each other Definitely. and finding common ground. And then, I mean, and it would be cooler if the second wives were brought in on it and they could just, you know, be six deep when they, uh, <laughs> when they you know, spike on the, on the guys. Because these um, guys get punished every way but morally. That's that. That's the other moment where it's like so so white privilege that you're like, whoa. There's like one an lost argument. a credenza and some really nice sculptures. Like, there, there's an <laughs> argument for I'm pretty sure all three husbands to be, or maybe not, maybe not Diane Keaton's husband, but at least two of the husbands could be put in jail. Yeah. But that is not even really referenced as like, well, there's no way that's going to happen. Right. Which is the whitish. One is a literal <laughs> child molester. Like one is a child molester. One is like has been like committing fraud and mm-hmm. stealing, and they're like, "Well, we're just gonna, you're just gonna have to pay me off for this." I mean, you're not gonna go to jail. You're a wealthy white business owner. But to be fair, I think it in like wherever you are, if you don't send your paycheck to prison, like the fucked up thing about the trajectory of this movie is that these women's fate is still tied all to their ex husbands, mm-hmm. uh, and yes. so Mar- Marty going to jail doesn't help. Morty going to jail doesn't help Bette Midler. Right. So, yeah, I guess she's <laughs> Yeah, she needs to, him around to, <laughs> to write capitalize the off to of her LLC, the First Wives Club. That <laughs> blows my mind. Just I love because it. now I understand what you have to do to be have a check filled out to like something that isn't your name. Yes. It takes a lot of work. It does. They had to have gotten someone. Yeah, they, I mean, come on. They I mean, all have got, accountants. They've got accountants. <laughs> it's true. They're... This movie, Home Alone, a short list of other movies, made me think that you live in big houses when you grow up. Yeah. Like, you just, yeah. like, have money. You'll just be, you just, like, have know, it. upper middle class. I think that worked out for all of They're us. They're all of the Brad Pack movies, or uh, not, yeah, the Brad Pack movies. Like, you just have stuff. Yeah. You know, it's well, normal. And look at us now. It's accurate. We well, all have totally so many studio assets. apartments yes. and cars, kind of. <laughs> yeah. We still don't have a car. <laughs> there, there, uh, yeah, there is, I mean, I feel like in this just place, every like rom-com or any genre adjacent is just like at cheapest, like upper middle class. But these women are 
loaded. Super posh. I think they're, they're like, oh, Bette Midler's poor. But then you're like, no, she's not. They're all living in New York <laughs> and she has like a house. Like it's, everyone's fine. She has yeah. money to pay for her, the band that he wanted at her son's bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that was the only thing yeah. Morty was willing to pay for. Oh, was that's, it? Yeah. Oh, okay. She, so I yeah, she lays on statement. a little guilt. Boy, that son character. Did I put a lot of myself in him? (laughs) (laughs) Upon first viewing, gosh, it is hard. Yeah. The whole scene where it's like, you two won't even talk to each other. Like, been there, buddy. Like, just (laughs) like, and at the end, it is, it is a cruelty. The last scene in that movie should be edited out for children of divorce. If you are like the (laughs) Morty and Bette Midler dancing and their son is like watching from across the dance floor. That is so fucked up. Just like (laughs) sitting next to my mom in the theater just like, ha! Ain't gonna happen, kid. (laughs) (laughs) My mom doesn't sound like that. She's a pastor. I mean, I'm I'm on board. (laughs) Yeah, and to continue the the body shaming talk, the other uh, major besides uh, kind of the the body shaming that takes place towards Bette Midler Mm -hmm. is the body shaming that takes place towards Goldie Hawn, where again, I feel like we get a very 90s treatment of like attitude towards plastic surgery, where Goldie Hawn's character, for the most part, is like, fuck you. I'm doing, you know, takes takes the. I think they even referenced Cher because Cher was like one of the only people who would admit to having plastic surgery and was like really into it and yeah. tell people to fuck off because mm-hmm. Cher's the best. Um, but Goldie Hawn's character is like she'll be dodgy about it and then she'll be like, okay, so yes, I've had work done and blah blah blah. It's mm-hmm. for my job, blah blah blah. Because and you can't. I mean, it's it's like it especially for where her character's arc is she is trying to remain relevant in a, in a business that it kills older women right uh and so it it makes sense and uh diane keaton's character is like oh i don't know you're getting stitched up and blah 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 and you know it's <laughs> yeah. treated as very icky or like taboo or just like the way it's treated even is, her doctor is like if i put any more collagen in your lips you'll look like you like put your mouth on the a pool drain but she did I mean, she looked really 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 cute. i mean because there are some body horror <laughs> elements introduced with the plastic surgery i don't really mind it when the doctor says it because mm. that's his job to advise on <laughs> plastic surgery sure. but but the the way that the the other first wives treat it at least at first is like is literally i mean again product of its time that's how my mom would have talked about plastic surgery but that's at exactly time. it it's why i yeah. think that movie is self-aware like yeah. it it's having a conversation we have about plastic surgery but it's having it with the people who are experiencing it we're not standing mm-hmm. in the grocery store looking at a magazine and being like tisk tisk we get that scene but then we get the pushback the follow-through yeah goldie Hawn gets to talk to you she's not on the magazine cover she's at the table and she gets to tell you that she did this not because of mm-hmm. your tisk kiss at the grocery aisle, but because mm-hmm. you won't look at the magazine cover unless she does this. She right. says and they're, they're... Bette Midler's saying, you call me fat, but you ask for the whole world to be this crazy skinny. Like, both of those right. are reflections of conversations we have. And I, yeah. I see, I saw it then, like, none of it feels punching down to me. Aside mm-hmm. from the privileged whiteness, I, so. I felt differently about the body shaming parts because I feel like all of these actresses are under the lens and have been for so long that it's active commentary Mm -hmm. across the board. I mean, I think the dudes do a really good job of letting the ladies have this movie. They're kind of just vessels. But every lady is sort of a comment on how Hollywood treats women, down to the women of color who are only in service roles. 
I think there's a self awareness in this film that's like I hope that's the reason that there are no women of color in any significant role. I wouldn't give him credit for that, but (laughs) but but I see what you're saying. But I do think the movie is aware of that. Like in 1996, they weren't gonna make this movie without four white women Mm -hmm. who were married to white men. Right. Mm -hmm. So I and they weren't gonna make it without a beautiful star in Goldie Hawn's part, and they weren't gonna make it without a huge name in Bette Midler's part. Mm -hmm. Like. The same constraints that the movie talks about are applied to the movie. Like, I mean, like Goldie Hawn's line where she's like, there are only three ages for women in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Babe, mm-hmm. district attorney, and driving Miss Daisy. Yes. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> and she's right. And she's right. And those rules still apply today. Yeah. The movie, I think, did the best it could to flip over conventions Asking it to do all of them is a lot in 1996, but maybe we can observe like what it did try to comment, not we, but like watching it again, I did feel like some of it is commentary and some of it is oversight. Right. I think you're right. They could have actors of color. I think they casted really white. Uh, I think, I mean, it's like, and we're not coming from a place of like, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. It's, it's more of, uh, I think we're coming from a place of like, this is present. Is it commented upon or not? And I think with the body shaming, some of it is commented upon and some of it isn't. And it's for jokes. It's cheap. There's yeah. a lot of cheap jokes. Yeah. And some of them are stronger than others, but the ones that are less strong certainly don't carry the whole social commentary angle that I feel is present in some of it. Like Right. I mean, I think that the Bette Midler stuff is, is great because there is a payoff and she gets to respond. And the, the same thing like you were saying for the way that people are kind of snipping at Goldie Hawn for being plastic and having a lot of work done. And like she gets the opportunity to respond and and just like explain and we understand where she's coming from and then there's a few examples where i feel like that it it skews cheap and it doesn't mm-hmm. happen mm-hmm. for sure um, yeah agree uh let's take another quick break and then we'll come right back for more discussion witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. 
It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. And we're back. What next? One thing that I thought was uh, also like something that I hadn't really heard discussed in a movie before was like one of the commonalities of all four of these women, including Cynthia, is that their husbands became so successful because of the support or some other driving force of their wives. I think that is not something that ever really gets discussed and probably like one of the big strengths of this movie where like it's uh stated that cynthia's husband became this big successful guy because of her connections mm-hmm. uh, annie was the one taking care of their daughter and taking care of everything at home and, and super providing for her, her husband while he was building his uh, ad agency brenda was working the counter at morty's stores and mm-hmm. doing all the on the ground stuff and elise was the one who was uh originally gave her ex like a screen partner and a, and in all of his opportunities in Hollywood and then he immediately became a dickhead and ditched yeah, her. Yeah, she's like I taught you everything you know about films. That's so cool. I <laughs> I I like I love that they get the chance to like air their grievances about it cuz it's like yeah, that's fucking horrible and it happens all the time. All the time. Yeah. And it it's and it's the movie we don't it's the the characters we don't make movies about. Yeah. Every movie is about a dude who did an amazing thing. And there's like mm-hmm. wife character way in the back. She's either supportive dear. or mm-hmm. annoying. Oh, exactly. Them. And this is, you know, pulling those wives, those characters out of other films and throwing them all together, which I love, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Like they form a club. They oh. do. There's such a dark, sad streak in the Bette Midler storyline mm-hmm. about her uncle Carmine is this Italian dude with connections, things that fall off the back of trucks, mm-hmm. access to meat lockers mm-hmm. and such. <laughs> and he, along with Brenda's father, organized stuff to fall off trucks for Morty's first stores so that they could get their start. And then Carmine's so mad at Morty. You know, what a shame. He's a dog. He treats you this way. What a shame. Right. And then just tells her to look at the books and goes away. Uh, yeah. Carmine's been there the whole time she's been broke. Right. Carmine would invest in a husband. Carmine won't invest in oh, her. I didn't mm. even think. And of they that. don't even get. It's not like Morty goes and Carmine's like, "I got you, babe. Don't even worry about it. Your boy's taken care of. No problem." Mm-hmm. It's that they have to get Morty, and it's still Morty gets the money. Morty gives the money. Oh. Right. And that 
That's crazy how fucked. Carmine isn't a feminist icon. Who's <laughs> <laughs> looking out for Brenda. But a fun character actor. <laughs> Terrific. Sure. So uh, good. I also love that bi- we we've talked about it a little bit, but I love that big argument scene between everyone. Um mm-hmm. where it's like you get you get to see so many I feel like we are kind of in a phase of like things are all generally moving in a good direction I feel like we are kind of stuck in this like film moment where there's a lot of Mary Sue-ish friendships and like I support you no matter what awesome like blah 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 and and Mm -hmm. here we get a lot of conflict and like a they disagree with each other Mm -hmm. a lot in this huge argument where it makes sense that they would have grievances to air with each other after like 20 years of not seeing each other and then this traumatic thing happens to everyone and then they start a weird small business and like (laughs) Of course, they're going to have to go back to 69 and, like, you know, yell it out. And it's it's really cool to see them, like, calling each other out for all this yeah. different shit. And, and then also, and then f- follow that by sad montage of <laughs> yes. maybe what is going to happen to our weird small business. And then I coming love back Diane and Keaton forgiving each other. Catastrophizing through the oh whole thing. Everything's on fire then, and the whole world is over and everything doesn't work. Yeah, she's falling apart and then she calls her mom, which makes for like a really great arc with her and her, her mom where she's like, things were bad and then you called me her yeah. mom is like really touched because previously like diane keaton was like my therapist says you're controlling and, and then it seems have... like she is she, she is, is. Yeah. yeah she super is so and on such nice stationery <laughs> right i know right. that was so sweet oh her mom character is great but yeah i really liked that arc and then going back to that argument scene i love to see women's rage expressed yeah. in a movie because women aren't allowed to be angry according to society read friend of the show past guest Soraya Shamali's book Rage Becomes Her about this very topic but uh yeah I just I love I love women's rage it's and it so... gets hurt like yeah. they listen to each other mm-hmm. they're and angry and they have to take distance halt hungry angry lonely tired don't make a decision or start a fight if you're any one of those four things mm-hmm. but they have their fight they step away and then it's Diane Keaton that takes convincing because her neuroses pushes her to think that everything's over. But mm. the two women who were the maddest, who actually expressed their anger, resolved the conflict right. and then brought it back around to yeah, Diane right. Keaton oh, in this way that works. And Goldie Hawn getting sober is a little easily handled. Uh, she looks at a large bottle and she's like, you're right. Uh, it was yes, like a bottle of like Carlo idea. Rossi wine. Which is what you look at <laughs> when you're making the decision wine. to get yeah. sober. It's the fully <laughs> empty gallon of Carlo Rossi. That's a dark moment but it is that should never be empty you should buy it and it should live in your no, house after you drink two glasses of it and be like no, no. no i'm not doing this to myself but yeah she just does get yeah. sober she vacuums with a hangover one time and mm-hmm. is like you know what i'm putting it's it down too much yeah they do glaze not over me. that but as far as like as realistic as a movie of this genre is ever going to get for like showing like a group of friends being mad at each other, seeing like I ne- we never get to see like what friend breakups are like because mm-hmm. there's still no societal rules for them other than yeah. just ghosting people. <laughs> and and then, yeah, like seeing it come back together and they take some time and it's nice and you're like, oh, this is so I, I liked it. It seems like. All the tension that had existed between them since the first scene was aired out yeah. and resolved mm-hmm. and felt healthy. 
It does do the thing where, like, that's exactly the time in a movie structure. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if anybody here has studied screenwriting, but if anybody has, (laughs) um, it doesn't ring a bell. (laughs) But it's it's all too rosy, and you've already seen seeds planted, weed seeds planted in the garden that are going to have to get pulled out. Uh, And it's satisfying to watch them grow because you see it right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're going to get in a fight right at the end of Act Two, and then they do, (laughs) and it's perfect because it it just this movie's just a bunch of pretty little bows everything yeah. ties up real nice it happens it you know it's great i think that scene pays off really really well i really yeah that was like one of my favorite it's uh, in the performances sequences. too not just it's the lines so... the tension's really there between them until they blow it all up and then their friendship afterwards is sweeter and it's funny the it golden globe bet midler throwing the golden globe was so Goldie funny Hawn throwing a golden globe <laughs> in response throws it back. so good it's it's incredible <laughs> i i really really enjoyed that scene yeah Uh, another thing about um the arc with annie and her mom um with annie and her mom in the beginning annie's like what if i find somebody else like it's possible because she's like you know contemplating diane keaton yeah contemplating somebody else (laughs) (laughs) thank you um contemplating whether or not to like try to make things work with her husband aaron Mm -hmm. and she's like well you know i don't know what if i find someone else it's possible and then her mom says you're 46 you have a better chance of being slaughtered by a psychopath same bad statistic from sleepless in seattle yes (laughs) yeah (laughs) except they in sleepless seattle say that the statistic is incorrect right um yeah another another choice quote and this is all presented as we know that the mom is being too much and it's Mm -hmm. not presented as like what she's saying is correct but she also says you're married you're happy you have a daughter you don't need self-esteem you're like oh Catherine I then you need to see the therapist right you need to go see Marsha Gay Harden oh I love who by the way there's like this really bizarre like male gaze shot when we first see Marsha Gay Harden's character where like the camera just like hovers on her like pelvis for a while yeah it's a generous thigh shot yeah and then it tilts up to her face but it's like okay so there was a male cinematographer on this movie but anyway (laughs) it's how you know from the first introduction of that psychiatrist that that's who her husband is fucking yeah yeah like for sure if you're Mm -hmm. an adult watching that movie it's like oh Oh, that's who they're fucking (laughs) you just know i mean the lesbian anatomy in me now is like ooh, those two should fuck (laughs) but it didn't happen that way no unfortunately not i do hope again i'm giving this movie so much credit uh (laughs) because there's two ways that goes it's either like get a lady with hot legs like we need her to look hot so we believe a husband would sleep with her Mm -hmm. or it's like a super intentional shot of like let's really lead that this lady is fucking the mm-hmm. husband that's also in therapy with her right. right and who knows this movie's kind of a coin toss it, that it, way it is it's like yeah. you it's sometimes you're just like this could be commentary or this could be oversight like yes. you said yes it is definitely a mixed bag in mm-hmm. that i think it way. is i think it is mixed it's super yeah. proud of what it's making commentary on yeah but uh but it's like hard 20 it's 20 years later it's kind of hard to pick apart what does. which is which it's like yes. intention is yeah. hard to identify yes. sometimes and then the final arc of like the mom annie storyline is annie's mom at like the party the celebratory party at the end just mm-hmm. saying like you're not getting any younger or thinner you know what i think you need absolutely nothing and then annie's like ah oh, yes ah. So that was great. It's cute. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also, going going back to the Marsha Gay Harden therapist for a second, it was one of those, like, I don't know the last time I felt this in a movie where you get to see the quote-unquote, like, deceitful person 
well, not even quote unquote, for Marsha Gay Harden, you should not be fucking your client. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's she real was, evil. She was bad. Uh, but you see her get hit in the face before so you fun. know that. Right. And then later you're like, oh, I guess I'm glad she got hit in the face earlier. <laughs> like, it was a weird, I was like, oh, I don't know the last time that like the bad thing happened to the villain before you knew you were, the, they were the villain. And then you were like, well, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Wild. Um, I do feel like Diane Keaton was supposed to be the last to know. Yeah, we yeah. do. Oh, like, for sure. you I got mean, that's it. Her like, personality yes. too. Yeah, is oh. she's she's you know put up a lot of walls and and intentionally deluded herself and in some regards. Mm-hmm. But you know who doesn't do that in order to remain alive at I'm times? I'm kind of convinced Diane Keaton doesn't know she's on set and they just sort of follow her around, <laughs> just like in Bowfinger. Yeah, just like Nicolas Cage. Uh, <laughs> right, ladies, how about that Ivana Trump? Oh, oh my god. god. Ooh, you were like 1996, honey. Okay. She's there as herself delivering the famous line, don't get mad, get everything. everything. <laughs> Which she didn't get mad. Did, she didn't get to do that. No. Uh, well, you can't because Trump's dad put it in a trust when he was three years old to earn interests <laughs> as a business. Yeah. Oh, it was just nice to be reminded that we live in hell now <laughs> watching this lovely movie from 22 years ago. Crazy how... Ivana Trump was a first wife, but then also could have been a different kind of first, oh, yeah. la- first lady. Oh, yeah. But uh, didn't happen that way. But now the weird, she out. like, broken <laughs> right. facsimile of her. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> also, Glory Valley. Malfunctioning robot, somehow the lower model. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, also, uh, Gloria Steinem is there Gloria playing Steinem herself at that there. party. Um, what can you so, do? You know? There's the a there's a lot of like little '90s cameos oh, in yeah. this movie too. It's rich. Should we talk about Annie's daughter Chris and well, the sort of overall representation of queerness? Let's talk about Chris, baby. What I will say, I feel like in the '90s, it like coming out had to be like a thing. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you sat everybody down. It was like the whole movie, and I, like. <laughs> With Chris, she just sort of walks in, and it's it's like so early. It's the first time you meet her, and she's yeah. coming out to her mom, and she's just like BT dubs. Uh, yeah, I loved it. Eating clamps cool. on the rag, and in the middle of like also be criticizing her mom, like she basically interrupts criticizing her mom for fucking her dad again to come out, and then returns to what she was talking about. And it's like, I don't great. know if this was the actress's choice because it's in the lines a little bit for her dad, but like she did it on purpose. I love it. She's just like had a plan. I I know I have to come out to my parents. What's the best, worst way I could do it to them? <laughs> Let right. me wrap it in an extremely personal criticism. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love. Oh. I thought that scene was so like, especially for its time, so cool. And it's, I, I'm, I'm curious at, at what you guys think. I also thought because it's the way Diane Keaton's character deals with it. Uh, at first, she's like, "Are you sure?" Yeah, and she's like, "When do you say lesbian?" Uh, right, but but I do feel. Like that is how some parents, especially older parents, like someone oh, yeah. born in 1946, that is a pretty good outcome for mm-hmm. like bafflement but acceptance. Like sure. it seemed yeah. like you know as much as it it would be amazing for Di- you know Diane Kitten to be like that's amazing. I completely accept you. Yes, this is like that's ideal, obviously. But I it felt like a supportive, realistic way of showing that. Thoughts. Yes. <laughs> I love the scene where they show up at the gay bar. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lesbian bar. First of all, bigger, nicer than any lesbian bar I've ever been to, which are it's determinedly huge. like dives. Uh, sure. But this is a like 
you know, dance club, like ladies dancing. It's uh, huge. It's very yeah. big. It's all ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, Goldie Hawn is so excited because she's never been in a gay bar. Yeah. Lies. <laughs> Those are lies. <laughs> uh, Bette Midler is just so matter of fact about it. Could not give a shit. Right. I love the way her character handles it. Yeah. They're just all examples of ways to do it right. Be super excited. Don't give a fuck. Or if you're that cheesy and sensitive like Diane Keaton is, mm-hmm. just stopping a woman walking out the door being like, I, you're just... Incredible. I just <laughs> fucking loved it. Because that's more, again, like this movie is like my parent. Like my dad, that's my dad. That's yeah. tops what you're doing there. I like, uh, good way to go. Big <laughs> thumbs up. Congra- congratulations. Big thumbs up, I think, is what I'll stick with. That's is that what so you like to be called? Big thumbs up? <laughs> is that okay? Just the sweetest. Uh. I also really That's enjoyed not right. You're the... not incredible because you're a lesbian. You just are a lesbian. You right. could still be a piece of shit. Living proof. Like, it's fine. <laughs> That's such but a parent thing to do. It's too. so cute. It is. They're, they're just like, I just, I, which is, they're just saying like, I don't get it, but I, I'm, I'm so fine with it. into it. Like, it's... <laughs> That scene was I I in the same vein of like Diane Keaton being like I what 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 like that's yeah that scene doesn't punch down at all because it that right. to me is about freedom a woman just yeah. didn't say that mm-hmm. like it you know there's a like you kids what you're up to is still I understand that perspective I think there's this whole generation that like you don't say that kind of thing out loud it's not just that you don't come out it's like. Oh no, isn't there an underground society where you're supposed to be this? Like, you know, what's running through her head is like all the lesbians she knew that got married to men. Like, and lived in like, you know, marriages or whatever with their long term friends. On the side right. or whatever. Her picture of what lesbian freedom is isn't that lesbian bar. Not if you, you know. Right. Even in 1969, and a lady gay was just like, I am a proud lesbian who will marry a man to satisfy my family. And people were like, congrats, yes, proud of you. That was like, a, you can't well, fight. It's so hard. When they're all at lunch after. I'm a southern dandy and I'm going to marry a generously proportioned woman. Good. We've got plenty and we need you. Lock this down. <laughs> Well, when they're all at lunch after Cynthia's funeral, um, you know, and they're like, (laughs) Annie is like, she's talking about her daughter. And she's like, and you know, lesbians are great these days. She's like, like, Chris is just perfect. I mean, lesbians are great nowadays. (laughs) She like hesitates a second before saying nowadays too. It is like the perfect, like mom desperately trying to get it, not quite getting it line read. Yeah. I thought it was. It's also really fun. It's a lot to ask of your parents to be excitedly proud of your sexuality of your family of your love absolutely Mm -hmm. but like just straight up raw dog fucking no your parents don't have to wave a flag for that it's totally okay if they are a little shy about like the actual sex part about your sexuality (laughs) like probably for the best that they aren't overtly enthusiastic i mean parents are that way about straight sex straight sex people sex Sex, too period your parent if you are telling your parents something about what you do while you're having sex Interesting. They are allowed to be like, okay, hang on. (laughs) Let me get over the part where you are having sex with anyone or thing, and then I'll process who you are having sex with. Or what? Look, do what you want with your life. And then it, it, uh, Chris, 
is is like a continued presence throughout the movie. She she pops up here and there. Mm-hmm. She's participating in yeah. the first wives club. She mm-hmm. is they an enlist employee. Her help I'm to a- like scheme on her dad who she hates. Again, I want to yeah. just read that conversation at the very beginning between her and her mom where she's like, "Ugh, you were with that man again, weren't you? Mother, I'm so disappointed." And Diane Keaton's like, "I know, sweetie, but he is your father." And then she's like, "Yes, but he's using you and you shouldn't let him." And it's like, "Hell yes. Yes. Women hating their dad representation in movies can't get enough of it. It's it's super fun and it was also accurate to the way a daughter hates her dad which is still right. loves him just knows that he's knows him yeah and it's he's not a cad. like you know she's still like in his office she hasn't said he's never gonna t- she's never gonna talk to him again you know that's her dad right but mm-hmm. she's also not like she's got expectations for him that he hasn't met and right. i appreciate yeah. that that's a kind sure. of love it's a very daughterly kind of love for their dad mm-hmm. like you dumb oaf uh <laughs> do better do as good as i think you should do yeah like, and yeah. then and then the other thing about chris that uh, i liked because i feel like people are like queer people are outed as jokes in movies mm-hmm. very often especially of this era and at the beginning she tells diane keaton don't tell dad i'm gonna oh, yeah. tell him when i want to and at the end she does and it's such a funny moment the way that she does it too like it's just yeah the chris like i chris is fun yeah she's, i mean she's just perfect she's yeah. like she says something like, don't tell daddy i want to tell him when the time is right like father's, father's day or christmas morning my favorite joke of the whole movie i love that <laughs> And then at the end, she does. I forget what the quote is, but she comes out to him, and when he's really, when he's when he's like already, he's just been extorted, right? And she's like, "BTW, I helped extort you. Also, I'm gay. See ya. Like it's amazing. It's yeah, Hmm. I enjoyed it. Same." Worth noting that this is, you know, a woman's story. Believe it or not, but it was directed by a man. Yes. Screenplay by a man. It was based on a novel by a woman, Olivia Goldsmith. Mm -hmm. Um, It was produced by Scott Rudin and then many other, almost entirely men. I think there's maybe one woman uh, producing this. But it is still largely men behind the camera. Per usual, baby. Why? Why why do that when this is such a female-driven story? Because, Caitlin, men like money. Um, also women like money, but, uh, (laughs) you know, that's a conversation for another day. Sure. I Um, wonder, do you get $30 million to make a movie about four women, all of them over 50, unless a director's a dude in 1996? That, Mm. that makes a lot of sense to me. Are you going to let a woman direct? I mean, we still barely let a woman direct Wonder Woman. True. And it is many years later <laughs> right uh, and i mean C- catherine bigelow was directing movies man, about catherine bigelow's men. first wives club there <laughs> violence <laughs> violent <laughs> shit they would someone would have morty been hanging killed. upside down by his ankles <laughs> right when, he would have been when, like waterboarded <laughs> whenever diane oh keaton hits her therapist it would have been with a machete <laughs> Oh, Catherine Bigelow. That's Tarantino's First Wives Club. <laughs> yeah. It's but, just feet. It's just First Wives feet. <laughs> uh, I also think it's worth noting that, you know, while this is a, you know, a 90s feminist text, this is still a movie where the women are pretty much all consumed by the men in their lives. Like, the men are motivating their choices. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, and it is to get revenge or justice yes. against the men, but it's still, like they're being motivated and driven by 
men. That's definitely true, but I also don't mind it for what this movie is. Mm -hmm. Like, this movie is a revenge fantasy for women who have been wronged by their husbands. Yeah. And if that's the audience, like, it would be great to see them just start a small business, I guess. But, like, like, this is a revenge fantasy. Buy a Wetzel's Pretzel's franchise and just... And men, but I mean, like men get so many of those where they get like, there's a bajillion movies about a man seeking out revenge, usually because someone killed his wife. His wife. Uh, but this I is, see you, the revenant. Okay, <laughs> slash most movies. But like, for, I mean, First Wives Club, I, I agree that, I mean, it is like the 90s version of they are tied to their men culturally at this time. I don't think that that is too far off from what would have been true for many women still. Oh, yeah. I mean, my my mom wanted to get a divorce in 94, but, like, financially couldn't get a divorce. Mm-hmm. And it seems like um, on, a, in a much, on a much more privileged level, that's true to some extent for these women as well. And I just, I mean... Yeah, I I like that it's a revenge fantasy because that's why people watch this movie. That's why people watch Kill Bill mm-hmm. is because it is cathartic and exciting and like no one's going out and doing this in real life. It would be far too expensive. Uh, but it is... No one has the resources No one it. has the resources to have a building in Manhattan <laughs> to turn into your revenge factory. But that's a really fun fantasy. I wonder if the novel was written like in the 80s. It. Because it's got a go-go so. 80s energy, mm. I think like it, with all the wealth. Having a broken down building in Manhattan. It came out in 92. And the screenwriter uh, uh, of this movie, I guess it's worth mentioning, while well, he is a man and we have to count that against him, <laughs> uh, he is also the writer of Steel Magnolias and Laws of Attraction. Um, okay. So he, I mean, we we have not covered either of those movies, but he seems to be commonly tapped to write movies about. I cannot women. wait for your Steel Magnolias Day. Oh, I don't, I'm surprised <laughs> oh. it's taken us this long. Just everybody yeah. gets juice. Everybody has to drink juice. Uh, one one <laughs> thing I liked, uh, another thing I liked about the, this movie is I liked the scene where they're in the room full of open flames, which isn't really a movie about friendship between women if they're not sitting in a dangerous room full of candles <laughs> at some point drinking wine and hashing it out uh-huh. I it reminds me of the scene in Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants where they go to like the place where their moms met at oh, like yeah. baby gymnastic <laughs> pregnant lady gymnastics uh, like once a year that's what that's called yes I, I believe that that is what mm-hmm. it is called uh, <laughs> but they have a similar scene and in it is they talk about Cynthia who I think her presence in the narrative is very in and out and sometimes mm-hmm. it gets it's this movie gets so rompy that you forget why they're kind of what motivated them to do it right but then you occasionally come back to grounding it of I really I mean I thought that scene was very sweet where they were like revisiting memories and yes is is Cynthia's letter kind of just like a random Chekhov's gun to keep the second act moving sure, sure. Absolutely, no one's gonna argue it's not. Yeah, but but I did. I I liked the the, and that's where the um, Leslie Gore karaoke is introduced. 
is in the mm-hmm. I don't know I, I thought that scene was very sweet and it was like a nice like reminder in the middle of the movie of like oh yeah this is why we're here mm-hmm. it was nice. it's, it's so nice to see you know women bonding women having fun in a movie women throwing golden gloves f- at each other fighting like, yeah and honestly that's my dream ways. imagine being at a place in life where you can have a golden globe to throw <laughs> incredible <laughs> but it, yeah I think it is worth at least touching on the representation of mental health and suicidality in this movie yeah it for is, sure i don't even quite know what to say about it but it's it's definitely not well informed mm-hmm. let's let's just i mean yeah it's not well informed i think that it, it is like you know employing a number of tropes um mm-hmm. in order to fit the exact plot of this that is not responsible it it implies that a, a single event in your life would would drive you to this it doesn't even really address the mental health aspect of that mm-hmm. at all uh there's also in that weird letter later where she was like maybe it wasn't my husband perhaps it was loneliness and mm-hmm. you're like okay there i i don't even know if that's in the what direction mm-hmm. of of helpful that is yeah, I think that it is like another example of like something that sh- should ideally be a responsible mental health discussion being yeah. used as a plot point. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't th- and I and I also uh don't think it was done with intention to harm anyone, but it it just was kind of lazy writing. Sure. And yeah. it's not the worst example that we've seen of like mental health suicidality representation but Mm -hmm. it certainly wasn't handled the best way that it could have been no but i mean i i also did like and i guess i want to know what you guys think about this too i did like even though like the way they discuss it again a, a lot of the ways they discuss things is flawed but it's 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 good major she's just suffering for no reason she's suffering because we're not talking to her there, this oh. is a hundred percent about the fact that our attention is pointed at each other oh, and not at the dog and it's my discourse. fault it's my fault because i spoil her and this is the result don't spoil your dog ignore them <laughs> ignore your dogs uh but but they talk about at that lunch like how their friend died by suicide and yeah, like I forget which character it is, but one says, well, why do you think she did it? And then they discuss it, which it it is not a laser focused, perfect discussion of mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it is a discussion that realistically these women would have had. Mm-hmm. I wish that there was kind of a more defining like this is where the movie stands on this issue, the way it takes very strong stands on other things. Mm-hmm. But hmm. Again, the fact that there is a discussion at all, even if it is definitely flawed, I was surprised that that discussion was even had. Mm-hmm. And then again, because this uh, woman's death is used as a plot point, pretty, I mean, like pretty transparently, the only response to why do you think she did it was Goldie Hawn uh, basically starting to form the first wives club where she's like, well, she probably gave him the best years of her life, sacrificed her youth, always put herself last to bolster his ego, his drive, his ambition. And just as her dignity was hanging by a thread, she, he just lobbed it off by running out with some preschooler, I'm guessing. And at that point she's already talking about herself and the discussion of mental health has ended. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. That preschooler being uh, Heather Locklear. So yes. <laughs> there's there's that. Incredible. <laughs> hmm. Um, yeah, is there is there anything else that anyone would like to talk about? 
I love Ganella. Okay. <laughs> I think this movie is not perfect and wonderful. It's, yeah. per- it's perfectly flawed. I think for what it misses, its heart is pretty sweet. And it's, I guess if you saw it, I don't know. If you are divorced or were the child of divorce, this movie just hit certain notes mm-hmm. that like, the other thing we haven't even brought up yet is that it's about divorce. Like, yeah. you know, I used to go to movies when I was a kid. My parents split when I was seven and they were about families. Oh, yeah. So that's like not my picture. Or if it is about yeah. divorce, it's like some kind of drama it's about horror. Like Mrs. Uh, Doubtfire. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire is another one that's just like so emotionally wrought. Mm-hmm. That's it's so hard. Uh, but yeah, so many Hollywood movies are about like the nuclear family yes. unit. Mm-hmm. And at the 90s started to crack that open and this movie did it in a way that was like fun and the trajectory of the characters leaving, you know, is out, not back into their relationships except for Bet. And I think that her intention was set from the jump of the movie too. After Like watching it once you've seen it, it's like, wow, they plant their seeds mm-hmm. and they all just grow so neatly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like, yeah. But it, yeah, it's, I think it's cool it's about divorce. I think it's cool it's a bunch of ladies that aren't, 25 i think mm-hmm. it's cool mm-hmm. that they are peak their peak performances these are brilliant oh, actors so the good. whole cast is perfect amazing and everybody just is having so much fun and even watching it again with this lens of like how is this movie made how does it feel to watch what are these performances like i still slip into like goldie Hawn's character mm-hmm. and diane keaton's character is just diane keaton and i'm still like oh annie it's just so fun <laughs> it's a fun watch it's uh, a romp i really uh, yeah I, I really loved this movie and it gets the same thing wrong that white feminism gets wrong so yeah, yeah. it's very reflective of itself it's time mm-hmm yeah, I can't take you back in time and make you be a divorced kid who sees it in 1996, but let me tell you, it really hit. Yes. Uh, certain moms really laughed harder than other moms. <laughs> there, There is, uh, I, I had like a few quick last things. The The way the movie ends, of the three first wives, mm. it is suggested that Bette Midler and her husband, that scene that sh- shall not be named, where they are probably going to get back together. They dance together. And when that happened, I was like, oh no, everyone's not getting back together, right? No, no, no. And then thankfully, mm-hmm. mercifully, no one else gets back together. Yes. We find out that Goldie Hawn has a younger boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And that that great, like, Diane Keaton voiceover where he was like, my husband, you know, said he had changed and he wanted to come back. And I told him to go to hell. And <laughs> it was great. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I, I just, I wish that Bette Midler had just taken the business, but... You know what? Right. Fine. I'm with One you. for three ain't bad. You need a Morty, too. Because men, as much as I loathe to admit it, have feelings. Like, <laughs> and, uh, like, if men can't process what they're experiencing, then we're perpetually fucked. Like, right. part of what we'd ask men to do is fully have their emotions. Mm-hmm. So if Morty did go through a midlife crisis, panicked, didn't know what to do with his life, mm-hmm. you know, who knows? You can apply whatever you want onto his character. Was he feeling pressure? Was he feeling failure? Was he feeling inadequacy? He expressed it. He made mistakes. And then he made a choice to walk back those mistakes. Like, Shelly doesn't dump him. Mm-hmm. He, like, leaves her in the Lamborghini that he's willing to walk away from. <laughs> men need to make those journeys, too, and the other two men do not. 
they remain shitty characters. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it was cool to give whether or not Bet should have gotten back together with him. It can be an open question uh, for whatever your own familial issues project onto that scene. Uh, <laughs> you can sure. apply your own filter. But I was really glad that one of the male characters had to come face to face with his mistakes. And mm-hmm. then the trajectory is that he's going to be dealing with that, that he left, that yeah. he's going to have to rebuild his home. And it's not just on Bette Midler. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I thought that was a cool arc yeah, for, for old that's Morty. That's true. I, always, I mean, I'm always saying that toxic masculinity, one of the things that it stems from is men not being able to feel, process, express their emotions. And yeah. such huge pressure on them to not. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in this movie, like, he, there's pressure on Morty to not yeah. have any feelings. He's supposed to have this perfect plastic bride. Why isn't he happy with his money and this new young... He got all the toys that he was supposed to have. Right. And mm-hmm. he's not happy. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. That's a necessary arc. If there aren't more Martys, or Mortys, if they're all just <laughs> the other two guys, then... Mm-hmm. There's no point in ever trying. True. <laughs> you know? Does that Fair also point. mean that that scene at the end with Sarah Jessica Parker in the Lamborghini, Victor Garber, like... Oh, yeah, they fucking. They're fucking, but then, like, that's that was his Lamborghini. That was his Lamborghini. <laughs> yes. So, yes, they sold like, the Lamborghini at Christie's <laughs> and fucking made Sarah Jessica Parker buy it. <laughs> uh, that's a great detail. Oh, uh, the, the last thing was uh, what their end game is, because with the first Wives Club, I'm like, okay, they have one job, and then where does this business go from there? Mm-hmm. And opening the women's shelter for in, in Cynthia's name uh-huh. uh, while a v- very bougie white feminist because they started a women's shelter in Manhattan, Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, which is helpful to women exactly like them not to I mean not to knock any women's shelter that's opening but it's like that's a very this movie's feminism version of opening a women's shelter yes. sure. with an opulent party with Ivana Trump. It's like, <laughs> I don't love it. I do love the intention. And I did love that the, that the story, at very least, um, says, okay, now that they've completed this task, you know, they've gotten their revenge, and then they move on to helping mm-hmm. other people. Right. That's yes. cool. I like that. Like, it's it, you, you rarely see that at the end of a revenge movie. You see the revenge be gotten, and then you're like, woohoo. Yeah. Uh, but they, but you see that they're starting a next chapter, and I appreciate that. Sure. I, one thing I don't – do they ever go after Cynthia's husband? No. They should. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wonder if they make him give money or something. I'm but reading, yeah, they should have. I'm seeing in the, in the I'm just uh, reading, I, I read a piece on the adaptation. In the book, they do. Oh, great. In the book, they go after him for insider trading. Terrific. Uh, sure. and, but in, in the movie, it's not. I mean, but I think that Cynthia has a significantly smaller presence in the movie than she does in the book. I wouldn't be surprised by yeah. that. Yeah. Also, at the very end, um, when Sarah Jessica Parker's character is uh, being hit on by Victor Garber, she says something to him like, oh, what's going on in there? A lot of battered women dancing around, which is, a, I guess, a joke that probably didn't need to be in the movie. But makes her look like shit. Makes her look very. I, mean, I think I if you're d- gonna d- play a shitty character, you have to be shitty. Yeah, I did. Sh- I did giggle at how insensitive that was of her because it does make sense <sighs> yeah. that the two shittiest people in the movie would, would end, end up, up together. together. I, actually, I don't know. I didn't dislike that. Yeah. No, I find myself in a weird. I am open to being wrong about this, or at least uh, subjectively wrong. Mm-hmm. That I often am fond of characters people hate because they're bad people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, it's, they're bad. <laughs> <laughs> they are not a good 
person, this sure. character, even if their arc moves toward redemption, mm-hmm. they are bad and they will remain bad. They've done nothing to tell you that they are good. <laughs> They're not changing their uh, mind. Yeah. I loved how much Three Billboards split the world of new nerdy movie watchers. <laughs> I fell in the camp who loved it and I was in a theater that laughed really hard at all the things that I thought were funny in that movie and I love Sam Rockwell's character because mm. he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's, I love seeing this unrepent like it's not even unrepentant because he's willingly unaware like that's a bad person we are supposed to not like him and the fact that he doesn't get his comeuppance is on us that's like a reflection of us we don't do that to bad people we Mm. let them thrive they continue to flourish they just go on on their rampage of vengeance like Mm -hmm. that's how that movie sets off and i totally get like how disgusting that a cop gets to be this evil in a movie i'm like it's so real that is honestly accurate and if that character relented and gave you a little one trickle a tear it's the cheapest shit it's like you know there's it's there's better performances than others i don't know if there's a straight line between sarah jessica parker's performance in this movie and three billboards uh (laughs) One I would love like, if you found it. Uh, I know. One converted book that didn't nobody thought would make money that was only for old ladies. And one converted play that nobody thought would make money that was pretty much just for old ladies uh, to make them mad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I love a character that's really good at being bad. Sure. And I would be disappointed if Shelley said anything less shitty. But it is shitty. Like, yeah. what an awful thing to say. Totally. And I love it. Yeah. I love it. Hey, does this movie pass the Bechtel test by yeah. any chance? Yeah. <laughs> it does. Yeah. yeah. Truly does. Mm-hmm. Super does. Anna and her daughter, Chris. Anna and her mom. Anna, Brenda, Elise all talk to each other in various combinations. Um, Chris never yeah. talks about anyone she's fucking and only talks about her dad. Like, she's mm. a totally plot-motivated character. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting, these ladies' relationships with the men in their life and how much it affects their decision-making, like you were saying, that, <laughs> yeah. that they are really tied to the men's decisions in their lives, yeah. and the movie is kind of about them discovering agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But I love these characters. Yes. I think they are unique. It, they're time-stamped in both 69 and in 96, and I like... I'm still very fond of them. Mm-hmm. I still am really fond of like Bette Midler's character reminding me of my mom and being in a movie. I'm mm-hmm. still like right. tickled by Goldie Hawn being a movie star who's a movie star in a movie talking about being a movie star and all the <laughs> shitty right. things we do to movie stars. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Diane Keaton's perfect. She's unequivocally oh, just yes. ridiculously perfect in this movie. So the three of them together, I just, it's dynamite. Don't, if you mm-hmm. haven't seen First Wives Club, I'd be surprised. But yeah. if you haven't, get on it. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's more of a hoot than I remembered. Mm-hmm. I laughed harder than I remembered. It's very it funny. It's, it, the, the jokes land yeah. more often than they don't. And when they don't, they thud in this way that like resonates how good the rest were or how far <laughs> we've come. Sure. And, you know? Yeah. And I mean, and the end. The end is genuinely very affecting. The dance. Oh man, scene. if you're not crying in that, yes, come crying. on, I'm crying. I have uh, to wear sunglasses to concerts because people singing makes me cry. So oh. I'm stuck from the jump. Like I cry the first time they sing, and oh, they and sure. then by the end, yeah. It's the sweetest. If you don't want to watch the First Wives Club, fine, but do go on YouTube and watch the closing scene, which <laughs> sure. you can do, and it's worth it. Yes, For of sure. course. Hey, let's rate the movie on our nipple scale, zero to five nipples, based on its representation of women. Mm-hmm. Hmm. This one's a bit tricky because there's a lot that it does right. It, there's a lot that it does to set the stage for more inclusive and intersectional f- feminist texts to 
come out later. I wonder what wouldn't have been made if that $30 million movie hadn't made $180 million. I wonder what you could draw a straight line to. Mm -hmm. Sorry to interrupt, but that was like, wow, I won. (laughs) That's genuine wonder. You know, so it's, you know, a good a good stepping stone, but also... I'm going to give it three nipples. Okay, thank you. For your, <laughs> thank you for your guidance. Wow, well, women helping other women. <laughs> Beautiful. I, I felt like you weren't sure <laughs> where the room was. <laughs> I have no help. <laughs> I wanted to just let you know thank where you. I was at. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, you know, just, wow, I'm coming up with this all by myself, but I think I'm going to give it three nipples. <laughs> Uh, incredible but yeah i mean you know as we've discussed there's three women who are middle-aged we never get to see women like that have their own story in a movie Mm -hmm. um they're seeking revenge on their on the shitty men in their lives that is cool um but yeah it is a very like hyper-privileged white feminism story that excludes a lot of women. I do like the way the Chris character and and queerness is handled for the most part. That was, I think she's my favorite character. So that said, I will give all three of my nipples to Chris, Annie's daughter. Woo! I'm going to do three as well. Mm -hmm. Wow, Uh, incredible. I had no idea that you were going to do that. (laughs) I well you out. well you always go first so you never you you never get to you're always setting the tone yeah. and I'm like well let's mix things up. Um, okay, so yeah, I I really 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 enjoyed this movie and I think it is like it seems like like you're saying Caitlin Gill um, <laughs> that it's financial success like that. Unfortunately, we you know we live in a society right, Ugh. and so so you know what is financially successful will inform what gets made in the future. And so a movie with older women, um, though they are very privileged older women, but that doing well does pave the way for, for book more. club. Yes. For <laughs> another movie about rich club. white book feminists club. that Diane Keaton is in. So I, almost, good, I almost got kicked out of that screen. I was with you. I, oh, yeah. Cause I was. <laughs> Michaela and I were pretty drunk. I was. I also uh, took lots of cans of wine into that movie and was real <laughs> chatty mean, by the end. It's like, what are you gonna do? That's what that Not, movie's for. Yeah. I know. And then someone hushed me. I was like, Are you fucking? Are you kidding, kidding me? me? Are you they're, friendless? There. I'm like, go watch Grace and Frankie at your house if this is how you feel. <laughs> like I came here to be annoying. But <laughs> anyways, uh, first wife club. Yeah. I mean, I I I think it does have a a, a place in history for paving the way for more inclusive movies. Um, I, I appreciate the swings it takes at social commentaries. Some of them really hit. Others of them definitely miss in the modern sense. But the amount of issues that this movie takes on, whether they address it successfully or not, is kind of staggering. I mean, yeah. like we're talking about body image. We're talking about mental health. We're talking about queerness. We're talking about age. patriarchy. We're talking about age. Like, we're talking about money. It's mm. like there is there is so much that is even I mean, just seeing a movie this big and successful even attempt that many things mm-hmm. is is pretty impressive. And the performances are so good. Ugh. And I cried. And Victor Garber is such a 
dick. Oh, in this he's movie. awful. It's he's so good. So... The way he's smiling at the conference table when they're talking divorce. Gee, oh. <laughs> I was. Although there was okay the, in his first seat in his first scene, he does say "babe," and I was like, oh. "Oh, like I I felt that." Um, also, the child molestation reveal didn't work for me, <laughs> but it that is such a '90s reveal yeah um yeah and and i do i still feel kind of like i just don't give the writers of this movie enough credit to think that they were giving they were doing subtext on how they wrote the younger female characters but that's just i don't know that's uh, that's still something i got stuck on but other than that i mean i I think this is an amazing movie i look forward to watching it again Mm -hmm. i hope people watch it for years to come also you know divorce visibility that didn't happen very Mm -hmm. much three nips just equal the one two three goldie bet diane nip for one hurrah yeah i'm passing out a fourth nip but <gasps> it's because i saw it then yeah mm-hmm. uh and i think being 15 and uh having elements of the storyline be close to my life uh except for the money part uh <laughs> but it felt to me way better than the movies of its era at handling what it was taking on and it did take on so much yeah. uh and I watched it at a time when movies were still, like, real. Like, I was in them and felt them and, mm-hmm. like, the story washed over me and I wasn't watching for shots and angles and, like, mm-hmm. thinking about the screenwriter or reading yeah. the credits at all. Uh, <laughs> it was crazy to see that life on screen then. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to watch now. And I think it's crazy that a movie that starts with a dear friend's death and is focused on divorce is like in my catalog of fun movies to watch. Mm-hmm. It's cool to see life be normal and crazy and stupid in the midst of all the big changes like death and divorce because life mm-hmm. is those ways. Mm-hmm. And those women had to figure out how to be themselves, how to be wives, how to be ex-wives, how to be friends, how to lose someone, how to grieve, and they all did it like a hot mess. Mm-hmm. Um I appreciate that they got to be messes. I just think that there were yeah. uh, there's enough going on in. Ni- I'm reaching back. I'm trying. I climbed in my time travel machine, and in 1996, four nipples. <laughs> I four love nipples. It. An extra one for Chris the lesbian, and then one for all the ladies. <laughs> Great, awesome. Oh man, oh, Caitlin, thank, thank you, thank you. So that was, this oh, was thank so much you. fun. I have fun, and every time so I get to fun. grace this seat, I feel oh. like I tortured you with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance no. Kid, a movie no. I love, and then you tortured me with the Notebook, and I yelled about it <laughs> a lot. But it is nice to be back. I think every, this is just such a great movie. Uh, Kelly, my sweet lady, was very excited. Uh, because oh, she yes. loves this movie. Hell yeah. Um, and Kelly loves movies like Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? She likes people yelling at each other after drinking. <laughs> yeah. And this movie is like full of it. So Hell just yes. all the hot reads, lots of little lines. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where can people follow you online and what would you like to plug? Oh, on the online, I am at Robot Caitlin on Twitter. I am at Caitlin is Tall uh, on Instagram. <laughs> uh, Ka- Caitlin with a C and all proper vowels, no wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> And I'm very excited that I have an album coming out on August 2nd. It's called Major, named Ooh. after my dog, who you might have heard whining earlier in this recording. Uh, she, it's, I'm just very proud of it. It's uh, good for all ages. There ain't no dirty words on it, uh, oh, which is kind of silly and exciting. I, I made a clean album for financial gain. I will be honest oh. with you on this podcast that it was a uh, financially motivated choice. I am proud it. of the material. Yeah. I think it's very good and warm. And also, I wanted to do that 
And mm-hmm. uh, I didn't really think about this sweet part, but right after the recording, uh, a comic who was in the audience, a buddy, hi, Ben Kalina, was, it was like midnight, and they nobody had noticed that it was clean, which I was mm-hmm. very relieved by. Mm-hmm. But when I mentioned it to the buddies I was talking to, my friend Ben pulled out his phone and texted his sister at midnight, like, hey, there's an album coming out that his cousin can listen to. Mm-hmm. He has oh, a 13-year-old awesome. cousin who loves stand-up and, like, isn't afraid of piss shit or cum, but also doesn't necessarily <laughs> want to listen to that in the car sure. with mom. Yeah. Uh, so it occurred to me, it clicked that like I made something that you could listen to when I loved stand up the most. Mm-hmm. When I would listen to all the dirty stuff when nobody was looking, but like oh, it felt yeah. really cool to like That's again reach amazing. back into 1996 and just <laughs> offer four little nipples to tiny little kids out there. Uh, uh, so uh, it was really cool. So great. yeah, you can listen with anybody. Um, I mean, we've got a lot of listeners who are moms. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. There you, know, you go, moms. Listen with your kids. If your child is aware of the existence of lesbian relationships, then they are good to go. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that's it was really fun to record. And I actually listened to it. Never thought I'd listen to an album. Do you listen to the podcast? Do you listen to yourselves? As recorded? Well, it's I, ha- hard. I edit, so I have to. You have to, of yeah. course. What with the editing. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, make me sound brilliant. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I can't listen to it. It's so hard. <laughs> I'm uh, like, oh, I'm stupid. Yes. <laughs> really I make stupid. everyone sound great, so. Oh, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, but I was pleased with it. I can report having listened that I think it's pretty good. Yay. Amazing. I didn't expect to gush as much about it, but there you go. I'm oh, proud no. of this album, Every and I hope you really like it, and don't hesitate where to can, smash play to Where anybody. can people, f- we'll be able to find it and buy it? Uh, all over the, all the things. It'll be on the Spotify, it'll be on Apple Music, um, and anywhere you listen to or buy things digitally, you will be able to find it. Yay. Thank you to my label, Blonde Medicine, for making all of that possible. Awesome. I'm willing to be a shill for any other corporation that will do me favors or pay me, so just jump <laughs> on board. You can also find us on the, all the places that you find stuff, mm-hmm. uh, including on social media where you can follow us at Bechtelcast. We've got our Patreon, a.k.a. Matreon, which is $5 a month and you get two bonus episodes every month. Coming up on the Patreon is my birthday month. Ooh, in August, uh, yeah. Yes, in which uh, we will be doing Jennifer's Body mm-hmm. and uh, Freaky Friday. Yeah. So look forward to those. Yeah. We've got merch that you can buy at tpublic.com slash thebechtelcast. All, all the classics, feminist icon, queer icon, feminism is the law now, etc. I have a nipple scale button on my jacket. Oh my goodness. Oof. Proud Thank wearer. You. Thank you. Yeah, other than that, let's all let's all form a club, shall oh, we? Yeah. Let's make an LLC tonight. Okay. <laughs> all right. I'm calling my accountant. <laughs> Does anybody know a good accountant? No. no. <laughs> Bye. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. 
from breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. What's out there is unknown. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there, way out there. Turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals, and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. Learn more at ucsd.edu.